Your favorite PGA and LPGA legends, pros and top instructors are right here every week on Next on the Tee. Join Chris as the greats of the game share their stories, insights and playing lessons. Now, back to Chris and more of the show. All right, now back with me here on the French Lick Resort guest line is one of the top instructors in the game, and that is Travis Fulton. Let me remind you a little bit about Travis's background. He was raised in Kellogg, Idaho. He played his college golf at Lewis and Clark State College, which is an NAIA school up in Lewiston, Idaho. He won the Pacific Northwest Athletic Conference Championship in his junior year at Bryden Canyon Golf Course, firing a final round 66 to win by a stroke. Holds the course record there, oh, by the way, with a 61. Travis is now the lead instructor at Pablo Creek Golf Club and Jacksonville Golf and Country Club, as well as Victoria National in Evans, uh, Evansville, Indiana. He's a contributing writer for the PGATour.com and Golf Illustrated. Been named top 40, under 40 instructor by Golf Digest and best teacher in the state of Florida. He is a regular co-host on the Golf Channel's Morning Drive, and he has worked with Fred Funk and Led Matisse out on tour. Go online and follow him on Twitter at Travis Fulton on Twitter and on Instagram at Travis Fulton Golf. And I am very delighted to have him back with me again tonight here on Next on the Tee. Good evening, Travis. Thanks for coming back on the show. Hey, you bet, Chris. How you doing? I'm fantastic, Travis. How have you been, my friend? I'm good. All good here. We're just uh, getting ready uh Players Championship next week, the Florida Swing. So we are uh we're getting after it. So, Travis, before we get into all the golf stuff, I got to say, with the NFL Combine just wrapping up, the video of you running the 40, absolutely <laughs> inspiring. You know, my, my Steelers yeah. could use a guy like you at wide receiver when it with Antonio Brown getting traded. So uh, how do we get you to Pittsburgh? Well, yeah, well, I, I don't know if I can uh, quite keep up with that. But, um, yeah, that was a lot of fun and, of course, uh, inspired by – Rich Eisen, of course, who does that every year, and it, uh, you know, all the, it's a, it's a wonderful initiative and charity donations to the, the St. Jude's Children Hospital. And I figured, you know, with what we've got going on the platform there at Instagram, let's, let's, uh, let's get out there and see what we can do. And, um, 6.03 was as, as fast as I could run, and I think I pulled a hammy doing it. Great. <laughs> <laughs> <That's great. laughs> So, Travis, I got to say, I'm excited to see you're with one of our sponsors now, Ben Hogan Golf Equipment. Yeah. So, uh, talk about how you became part of the brand. Yeah, you know, I was uh, kind of back to the roots, really, Chris. They, uh, Ben Hogan, was a uh, such a big part of the golf industry when I was was young and playing and and getting into the Apex irons and you know when uh, they were through and through there, Ben Hogan, and a big part of the the conversation, the course. Uh, you know they went away there for a little while and now they're now they're back and fully invested in the game again and and making great product um once again so it was an easy uh easy move for me to to jump back over to to Ben Hogan Golf and I'm excited about uh, what they've got coming out you know the irons the PTX irons are 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 so good and uh, the wedges the equalizer wedges and this little hybrid that they have now is is uh is great stuff, and I'm really excited about the putting line here in the next couple of weeks, and, and what they've got in store at the woods. So, back to the roots, great product, and um, it's a, it's a, it's a, I think a real uh, positive future ahead for Ben Hogan. And Travis, I saw pictures of you out at the uh, Honda Classic last weekend. What did you think about what you saw there? Yeah, you know, we went down on Wednesday and um, and uh, walked the golf course with some of the players, and um, 
you know, it's such a difficult golf course, PGA National, and, you know, talking to the players, uh, you know, I, I was at Arnold Palmer Invitational on Monday playing in the Pro-Am, and I said to some of the players, anytime, anytime you guys shoot eight, nine under to win a golf tournament, I don't want any part of it playing it. I mean, it's that, it's that difficult, and they really had very little wind, and for it to play that difficult, I just think speaks to, you know, what PGA National is and can be, obviously, when the wind picks up and the bear trap 15, 16, and 17. And, you know, it was, uh, you know, to see, uh, the way that, um, that it, that it went down and the run that Ricky made and, and Brooks and all that, uh, it was, it was cool to see Keith Mitchell finally get a win. You know, we don't, we don't get many winners on the PGA tour that, you know, really didn't have many wins leading up to that. You know, of course he was at Georgia and a good collegiate player, but he didn't, get any wins on the Latino tour. He didn't get any wins on the web.com tour. And, and to, to have the PGA tour be your first win, you know, it just doesn't happen very often. And uh, as you mentioned a moment ago, Travis, the bear trap, the 15th hole out there looks like a, a typical Jack Nicklaus designed par three, similar to what he has out there at Muirfield village, reminiscent of the 12th at Augusta national. Saw you on the tee box there. How tough a hole is it when you're standing there on the tee box? You know, it's, it's a very difficult hole in that, yeah, I think any time you take one side completely away with water, it's 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 intimidating, right? I mean, you're standing there, and you know that if anything is mishit to the right, you're staring five in the face, and so I think that's intimidating, you know, intimidating right out of the gate. And then you also know if you pull it left, it's no bargain, you know, to get it up and down. There's just really no place to miss it. I think 17 is probably even a little more difficult and extreme in that way and oftentimes more difficult to judge the wind because of the, the stadium effect. But both those holes, you stand there and you know that if it's going right, you're probably making five. So you have to stand in there and you have to, you know, buck up and make a good swing. But they are two difficult par threes. They played 17 a little easier this year and moving the tee up. And I think that did cut down on some of the water balls. But they're just intimidating golf holes. And you put wind on top of it, they're, they're two of the most difficult on tour for sure. Travis, I want to get your thoughts on the rules changes that have gone into effect. It seems to be that's the, the dominating story right now off the golf course. What's your take on the drop rule? I, I thought dropping from shoulder height was fine. Did we need to lower it to knee height? You know, I, I don't think so. I think it was one rule that probably didn't really need to be changed, um, but it but it has been changed. And I think most of these rule changes, when they're when they're done, they're, they're, they're predominantly done for the professional world. And, you know, we can say that, you know, it's, it's for amateur golf and this and that, but I think most of the time in rule changes, they are facilitated primarily for professional golf. And I think in saying that, I don't think we needed to change it. I think most of the players, um, if not all of them feel pretty silly, you know, dropping from their knees. And I just think at the end of the day, it's, it's, let's, let's just move on with this and, and, and allow the players to drop from anywhere from shoulder height to the knee and, and, and just put an end to this madness. I think it was one rule that did not need to be messed with at all. And Travis, when, when you're playing or you're instructing your students, flag stick in, flag stick out. What are your <laughs> thoughts on uh, use, utilizing well, that? You know, really, I think with the flag stick in, we're talking about a speed issue. I think it's been pretty well proven through studies that if the ball is moving faster than the desired speed where the hole is going to be made smaller if the ball is coming in at that speed the flag stick can help you so you know I, I start I think you have to kind of ask yourself am I trying to make this putt or am I just trying to lag it close 
And and if you're trying to make it, it, it's probably going to be inside 12 feet. And at that at that putt, that length of a putt, you know, the speed really shouldn't be coming in too hot. So I think inside 12 feet, you know, with with the speed reasonably good, you know, I think it's kind of a moot point, to be honest with you. Now, I think outside of that, when you start hitting from 20, 30, 40 feet, especially downhill, and the speed can get away from you and come in a little hot, then it probably makes sense to leave the pin in. So, you know, I think if if the pin, if, if you have a chance where the, the speed can get away from you, then I think leaving the pin in can help. And um, I think those are the times where we're trying to lag it or if we're putting downhill and it's extremely fast, those are the times to probably leave it in. But I find it interesting in saying that, I find it very interesting to, to, to hear Adam Scott speak and some other players where if the flag is in, they, they feel like they can just free up and it almost takes them back to their youth days when they're putting on the putting green. And, and it just kind of just allows them to step up, aim it, and hit it. So I think there's a psychological effect there as well. And if it does free you up and you feel like you can be more instinctive, then, then more power to you like Adam Scott is. And speaking of Adam Scott, Travis, you expressed some surprise on Twitter that he switched putters. What surprised you about the, the uh, putter change? Well, I, you know, I think when you look at Adam Scott, I mean, he's he's certainly one player that was affected when the USGA um, changed the anchor, anchoring the putter. And, you know, he struggled. I mean, Adam has struggled putting statistically. I mean, he's had his moments, but um, it's been a grind. And I think over the last few months, um, with what I discussed with the, with the flag in, I, it seems to have helped him psychologically. I think running the putter shaft up the lead form has helped. And you look at him statistically, Chris, you could argue this is the best he's ever putted. And for him to show up to the Honda and not only change the putter, but also how he was lining the putter shaft up, no longer putting it into the forearm, I, I just, I thought that was, I thought that was a bit strange and, and a bit unnecessary considering, you know, he's been having the success that he has had. And, you know, the, the, the urge to tinker and continue to try to search and this and that sometimes, I think it backfired, and I think it did on Adam on at the Honda. Travis, staying, staying on the topic of putting, and one of the players I'm concerned about is Jordan Spieth, and I'm a big Jordan Spieth fan, but he is struggling with his play, particularly in the third and fourth rounds of tournaments, and his putting isn't nearly what it was a few years ago. What are you seeing in his game? Well, I think it started with the flag stick. I mean, I think with Jordan, there's no it's, – it's, it's understood that his – primary weapon is his putter. I mean, he was putting at a rate that was unheard of when he was winning major championships. And I think at some point we understood that he was probably going to come back to the norm and the mean as far as making putts at that clip. Now, I think in saying that, it's also been a bit surprising that he's probably dropped now underneath that and is no longer um, even in the middle tier of putting statistically. He, he, he is at the bottom. So, he has lost uh, his strength, and I think in today's game, if your strength is your putter and not your distance and your ball striking, and you're giving up the kind of yardage that Jordan is, then it's going to put some more pressure on the other parts of his game. And I think that's kind of what we're starting to see, some of that pressure mounting that the putter is not working at the level that it was, and it perhaps has started to leak into the other parts of his game. And I think psychologically now, um, you know, you're starting to see some of that frustration coming out. So I am a bit concerned um, with Jordan in saying that because he is not long. He is giving up distance. It was inconceivable to think at one point that Luke Donald would become irrelevant in this game as the number one player in the world. 
but he has, and, and you hope that Jordan doesn't go down that path. But it's happened before him, and I don't think it would be, um, I don't think it's, you know, out of the ordinary to say that it could happen to him. So I hope he can get it back. I feel like he will, and, and, the, and the putter will come back, become a bit more of a strength, and we'll see Jordan Spieth a little bit more on top of leaderboards. Travis, I want to get your thoughts on putting. For your students and those of us that, that struggle with our putting, how do you go about teaching the putting stroke and the putting grip to your students? Are you conventional grip, left hand low if you're a right-handed player? Do you like the claw? What do you teach your students? Well, I think, you know, obviously you have to give them some options. And, you know, I think conventional putting is still predominantly what we see from the best putters. Um, you know, you, you look at, you go back to a Luke Donald who I think was, you know, one of the best putters, you know, over the last 20 years that we've seen. And, and you look at how he grips it conventionally, it allows his forearms, you know, to line up with the putter shaft. I oftentimes will get players to take their grip and then, and then stand up and point the putter shaft right in front of their, their kind of their belly and then kind of roll their elbows in. And both of your forearms should be pointing down the putter shaft so that everything's pretty much a single plane. I think when doing that, you find that most amateurs need to, to position their trail hand a little bit more underneath the grip. I think they get the right hand a little high. The right form can get too tall, and, and the putter head can start to work a little too much out to in. So I think you, you start lining that up and getting the forms on plane. I think that's a big deal. Now, I think left hand low can, can really get that right form to match up better. When you look at like a spice, and the left hand is below the right hand, it makes that right elbow soften a little bit, and the right arm can't be so dominant building up the lead side. So I think if you struggle with that right arm being too tall, putter head going too much to the outside, sometimes going left hand low, tucking the right arm elbow in can help that path a little more to the inside. So I think you got to get the forms matched up. Um, I think how far you stand from it, how much you bend over, you know, can vary from person to person. But I think at the end of the day, you're trying to create an environment at address, Chris, that allows the putter head to move pretty instinctively on its natural path. And you can really influence that path of the putter head by, you know, four or five different characteristics at address, with the one being the forms matched up to the putter shaft, probably being the most predominant factor of that. So you try to create that environment at address. And then, and then from there, you really you know, you're trying to create some structure. I find most amateurs excel better with a more of a two to one ratio and, 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 and kind of lengthening out the backstroke and then shortening up the follow through. And I know that on the surface that, that there's a bit of a sticker shock to most people that hear that, but when they're too much the other way, more of a one to two, and that follow through is so long and excessive, when you, when you get them to think more two to one, the strike improves distance control improves, and um, I think, you know, line and speed start to match up a little bit better. So those are those are some of the things that, through my journey of teaching, I would say most amateurs can benefit from. And Travis, you've got a video that you put out recently. It's it's like a, a mock introduction of you on a first tee at a, at a tournament. Yeah. But for those of us that get the, the first tee jitters, and whether it's we're just playing with our friends, or we may be playing in a member guest or a, another tournament where there are actual other golfers or other people around. How do you tell your students to deal with the, the nerves and the butterflies that come with that? You know, I think it's a very good question, right? I mean, it, it's, 
you know, I think about that a lot, and I and I go to and then I instantly think about Tiger Woods, right? The best player of our era, arguably the best of all time. And here's a guy that struggles with the first tee shot. I mean, he when you really watch him and you go back, even when he was dominant, he struggles with the first tee. So I think that right there sets the bar awful high. <laughs> you know, when when <laughs> when Tiger Woods struggles on the first tee, so. You know, I think some of the things that, that, that can help, and I'll even kind of speak from experience here a little bit, is, is finding, you know, I think self-discovery is so important in this game. And I think you have to, you have to understand what you tend to do when you get nervous, and particularly on the first tee. For me, I tend to get very short with my turn. You know, and I kind of get almost a bit armsy. My, my backswing will get a bit short, and then I'll inevitably pull it. You know, I'll turn and kind of pull it left. So for me, I've discovered that, you know, I have to make sure that I make a, a full turn and then from there let it go. Because when I get nervous, I tend to get a little short in my backswing, almost like Paul Casey, you know, when he'll get nervous. So I think you have to kind of understand what, what happens to you when you get nervous, whether it's on the first tee or it's coming down the stretch, trying to put away a good round and then work away from that. And uh, I find that most amateurs you know, some of them need to slow down. They they get going too quick. But I would almost say that as your as as you look at the handicap, the better player almost needs to lengthen out and go at it more aggressively, where your higher handicaps need to slow down. Travis, just a couple more before we let yeah. you go. And last year, you told us to keep our eyes on Keegan Bradley. You thought he was going to have a strong comeback year, and lo and behold, he did. So yep. we're gonna we're gonna test you again this year. Who right. should we be keeping our eye on now? You know, and I'll even and I and even before that on on PGA Tour Live, I was I was I was on Kevin Kisner. He was he was someone that really impressed me with his game, and and, and he certainly had a little run there. And then it, you know, I I like where Keegan was going. You know, with with his putting again, I felt like he he almost had to reteach himself how to putt. And then you look at it this year, right? It'd be so it'd be so much fun to to say, you know what? Here comes Spieth again, right, with the putter. But I'm not as optimistic about that. You know, I've always been really big on Finau. I think Finau is going to have a, a breakout year. He's, he's off to a little bit of a slow start, um, but I, I do think Finau is going to be a player that is going to win and and win often. And I'd even put a major championship in there. It's almost like he's just needing that little extra boost here of confidence to put one of these away. Um, Brooks Kepka, of course, has taken that next leap, and, and we see what he's capable of doing. But uh, I think this, this Tony Finau could propel himself into a top 10 in the world type of player and um, is a guy that I, I think can win a couple times this year. Travis, before we let you go, talk about your show, The Stripe Show, which is uh, out there on Facebook Live and uh, the things you're doing with 18 birdies and, and then how we can also follow you on, on uh, Twitter and, uh, and Instagram as well. Yeah, you know, it's funny. This year I've, been, I've, I've really moved everything to, to Travis Fulton Golf on Instagram. It's been fun to kind of really position everything, um, you know, in-house and, you know, what you were referring to there uh, with with me standing on the first tee, we're having a lot of fun with what we call the uh, the ten fifteen tee time and 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 uh, and and posting the things that 
are happening throughout the week and picking kind of the top three or four items and and uh, and playing them out. We had a, a really a fun one this week with uh, with talking about 15 and 17 at the Honda and and how to and how to really overcome missing the ball to the right. I, I went through a full combine. You were alluding to the 40 yard dash I did, but we we posted the me doing the full combine, which was great fun, and then and then my experience at the Arnold Palmer on Monday and playing in the pro am. So the 1015 is great. And, um, and, uh, yeah, it's all, it's all kind of living right there at Travis Fulton golf on Instagram. And you mentioned that Travis Fulton on Twitter. And then you can also check me out on my website, travisfultongolf.com. We've got uh, a lot of cool stuff and fun stuff coming to you this year. Well, Travis, thank you so much for coming back and sharing all of those things uh, with us again tonight. You're really fantastic. I love having you as part of the show. I hope you'll come back and join me again real soon. Yeah, you bet. Thanks, Chris. Anytime. Take care, Travis. All the best to you and your family. You too. That is uh, the great Travis Fulton. And again, TravisFulton.com is his website. Travis Fulton Golf over on uh, on Instagram and on Twitter at Travis Fulton. Great stuff from Travis. A lot of great tips and stories and really looking forward to having him back. Really enjoy spending time with him.